We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome, welcome to the Miami Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Carlo Navas. And with me today, producer and co-founder Brian Goins. You can see him on the screen to the left. What's up, guys? How you doing, Brian? Daytime podcast doing for good. us. How are you doing? I'm, I'm the norm. Cons- I, more concerned about you. I may or may not have COVID. I, I don't, we don't, we don't know yet. I I was exposed. I got one haircut in the last four months and uh, it just so happened that my barber texted and he's like, um, I was, exp- I, I'm sick and I tested positive. So who knows? It's been, uh, I'm on day four of quarantine. I, I don't have any sips. I have a little, I have a little congestion. Is that bad? Nikaias, Nikaias Duncan, our statistician and pun master. He's on the bottom of the screen. Is, is sniffles bad? I don't know. I feel good though. I've cooked, fingers crossed. Listen, I, I've locked Could go myself away. Could go I'm locked in my way. room. Haven't moved. I've just followed free agency news. You know, we're trying to we're trying to keep you know family and people safe. I I don't leave. Uh, I, I you know I have everything I needed here. Let's uh, get tested tomorrow. Uh, by the way, you know, shout out to uh, rapid testing here in Miami. It's a very uh, it's a very good thing that we have here. Um, 
Also with us today, very special guest. Uh, been on the program before, and I think that this is as good a time as ever to have him. Uh, Albert Namad, welcome to the program again. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. You know, you last the- time we had you on, we we uh, we had you on right before Jimmy Butler did a sign trade with the Heat. We went over that, and it was like perfect because he—that's exactly what happened. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. The, the end of that trade got a little bit messy for a little while, but we got mm-hmm. it done. Oh yeah, I mean, every time you give up a first-round pick, that always hurts. I mean, no, the whole Goran debacle that you know, Goran, oh, right. yeah, Goran getting traded to the Mavs and not okay. So we have a lot to cover. Uh, kind of a weird, crazy unsexy offseason for the heat we're going to get into a lot of the minutia but we have albert on to kind of help us understand what the heat did salary cap wise uh because you know their big summer in 2021 whale hunting you know what they do in this offseason is really going to inform what they do in next offseason so albert i really want to start with you know what's your take on the myers leonard contract because a lot of people online on twitter on on discord on on reddit everywhere you know they're, they're really kind of confused by by the signing and i went over a little bit last show but uh you know we really want an expert an expert's opinion on what the hell andy ellisberg and pat riley are thinking i i mean it was a little rich but that's your culture and that's what i'm thinking i mean had the ability to give money for for a year with with the uh, uh team option in the second year and it's, it's a, it's a, a contract bred out of heat culture. I mean, there's no way to describe it in a way that makes sense from a salary cap perspective, except to say that the heat had the ability to provide it. And they did. So I know that, you know, just off the bat, when you sign a one plus one, that automatically kicks in a node trace clause, correct? For a player who will have early bird or bird rights at the end of it. And, and Myers Leonard is one, correct? So I guess the question is, it's like, you know, when the when the deal was first signed, I looked at it as well. I mean, that's a that's a nice chunky contract to move, and that along with the Godala and 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 Kelly Olynyk's twelve point five million expiring, and, and Andre's fifteen. You know, okay, yeah, you could already start you could start piecing together some salary. But then you know the 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 the, the no trade cost stuff. You know, we were reminded of it. You know, how likely do you think it is that you know the Heat talked to Myers and said, "Hey, listen, you know, we're going to give you this money. We're going to give you this ten million dollars, or you're not going to get anywhere else. And you know, if we need to move you, you know, you, you, we could ask you to waive the no trade clause. Is that something that you think is likely possible? Because that that was kind of my that's where I pivoted once I realized that they just could not trade him willy nilly. Okay, so let's break it down. It's not really a two year, twenty million dollar contract. It's really a one year, maybe nine and a half million dollar contract. Right? That's the way you have to think about it. So. Is it rich? Yes. But when you consider it's only a one-year deal, uh, players tend to get slightly higher salaries out of it, right? So that's one thing. It's still a little bit rich, but I don't think they did it with an intention to trade him. No, I don't. I don't think they did that for any of the players they gave a one-year deal to. I think the, the intention is to, to you know, stick with the team they've got. You know, they could make trades with, with players who don't have those one-year deals, but um, – and. By the way, any of the new guys, Avery Bradley, Mo Harkless, they can be traded. They don't have the same issue because they will not be a, a, an early bird or a, a bird right player at the end of the season. But I don't think the intention was to sign those uh, guys with an uh, intention of trading them this year. Do you I think, think it helps? The big players for next year. My question, I think, would be, say the Heat wanted to go down. I don't think they're going to really do it, but if they needed to do a sign-and-trade next year for whatever reason, is that something where they could pick up his option next year and it kind of helps them? Okay, so let's think about how that would work, right? So these contracts that have, uh, you know, where the player has veto power over any trade, 
they obviously, that obviously pertains to the season, right? Once you exercise that option, and in, in this case, it's the heat that has the option, that veto power falls away. So the question is, when can you exercise that option? Well, in most contracts, and I haven't gotten the contract yet because it hasn't signed yet, um, but in most contracts, that's not until after the season. So in any trade for the 2021 regular season, call it at the trade deadline, they would have to agree to the trade. Now, at the end of the season, if you if they exercise the option, then they could use it in a trade for someone else, like you're saying. But let's think about how that would work timing-wise, because I've seen that written everywhere, and that's not necessarily something that would be possible anyway. You would have to exercise the option, obviously, in the window in which you have it, which would end at the end of the 2020-21 regular season. Uh, um, season. That's the equivalent of June 30th, whenever it is. Yeah, this time so that's right? before they have a meeting with Giannis. So you can't have that meeting. So why are you going to exercise an option without knowing why you're doing it? Now, could something happen that's not legal? Sure. <laughs> could, could they have a conversation? I doubt that's going to happen. So it's going to get very tricky is the point. Now, what they could do is this. They could say, I have enough salary cap space to sign Giannis because I know how much he's making because I know what the max salary slot is. And then I know what my team's salary is, so I know how much I'll have left over. And then I can exercise one of those options into the space that's left over. Now, why would I do that? One, either I like the player, or two, I have an intention of using that salary to trade for more. Yeah. So that's the way they would probably approach it if they did that. It was kind of that's very unlikely. It's, it's very unlikely. It seems like what they would do is they would just uh, decline or in order to decline a team option, what does the team have to do? You just put in paperwork? No, you do, you do nothing. You, you just do nothing. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Um, and then I guess you the just, and then you renounce everybody else. The action of exercising is what exercises it. The absence of an exercise means you've declined it by, the, okay. by default. Gotcha. So like a lot, you know, we we were scratched our heads, and you know we're we're all, we're not Albert, right? So we're we're just trying to figure out how, you know, oh well, well, Pat and Andy know what they're doing, right? So you know, who are who are we? Who are we, lowly lowly analysts to doubt? Nikaias, I was thinking about it, you know, I, I saw some people, some people really thought it was a basketball move. Uh, I'm kind of with Albert that, you know, judging from just like the salary cap stuff and everything, like it, it seems just to be a, you're doing right by a guy who you really appreciate it. I mean. Nikias Myers and Bam on the court last year, they were really good. 7.2 net rating, 114, almost 115 offensive rating, uh, 107 D rating, not the best, but, you know, survived. Um, I, I think that they're going to want to play Bam next to a big, at least to start. I don't I don't know how you feel about Mo Harkless as a starter, Nikias, but I mean, I'm sure that he'll get a little bit of playing time judging from the way this roster looks. Yeah, I think we're going to see Mo Harkless get a good bit of time at the four this year. Um, as you mentioned, Myers and Bam did play well together. Uh, the timing of the Myers signing is what kind of threw me off more than anything. It wasn't, it was a little bit of a surprise, but not a surprise that he came back. I mean, Myers loves Miami. Um, he's obviously a vocal leader in that locker room um, during the regular season, at least, provided some spacing, provided a big body defensively. A communication on the defensive end, so there there was a fit there, but um, the timing kind of threw me off because it, I mean it was basically as soon as free agency started, and I just kind of wonder what the talks were with Jay Crowder at that point, because it seems like bringing Myers back, especially if you feel, especially if you think he's going to be in the rotation, it means that you're sliding Bam back to the four at least in the regular season for the starting lineup. 
And if you're slotting Bam as the four there, you kind of already have to have an inkling that Jay Crowder is getting years offered elsewhere, and you kind of have doubts that he'll be that he won't be brought back. Yeah, but let's look at what so Jay Crowder actually got because he got it. Maybe they do early. Yeah, I think we got to look at what Jay Crowder actually got because he got three years, thirty million. The Heat at one point were basically offering him one year, fourteen. But had they not signed Myers, they would have been still what. Nine plus fourteen, what over twenty five million, still below the tax line. So they could have given him like a twenty million dollar deal for one year. The point is actually very, a very good one, a very astute one, because what they lost by offering him that contract so early was the ability to retain Jay Crowder and utilize the full mid level exception. They automatically lost that as soon as they agreed to this contract with Myers Leonard, right? So. If they gave the 14 and, you know, Avery Bradley took, what, 5.6, but if it was the full mid-level 9.3, you'd have enough room below the tax to do all of that. And as soon as they offered that contract to Myers Leonard, it was gone. So they didn't, they lost that flexibility if that was their intention. So, uh, but clearly it wasn't, right? They had the backup plan of Avery Bradley if, uh, if Jay Crowder didn't accept this contract and ultimately he didn't. I mean, they Robert, signed him within minutes of free agency start, so he had to be a priority for them. It seemed like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the first the first party was to keep Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder apparently was very nice about how he handled it. Um, so good stand up guy there, but uh, he got more money. So it was it was a, a situation where you can't fault the man for, for taking more money. Albert, can you explain why they lost the ability to give the full metal level exception when they signed Myers Leonard? So technically they didn't, but I, you know, from a realistic standpoint, they didn't want to cross the luxury tax line, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got, you know, 14 going out to Jay Crowder, possibly, plus another nine going out to the mid-level exception guy, that's 23, plus another nine going out to Myers Leonard, that'll take you over the tax line. Yeah, It's just too much salary. It's not that they technically couldn't do it. Technically couldn't do all three. It's just too much salary. So by giving Myers nine, it sort of hampered. It sort of it sort of made it so that if Jay Crowder accepted his contract, then that's really all you had left, as opposed to being able to give the, the full middle exception as well. I mean, you could think of Myers Leonard's contract as uh, a replacement for a uh, full mid level, right? He's making just about yeah. the same money. So to kind of give people an understanding, the salary cap this year is set at around 109 million, and the luxury tax is at 133 million. Now we're going to get into this later, but the hard cap is at 139 million, which is six million over the tax line. Um, Albert, the other thing I want to ask, which I, I've been a little I, I learned of of this week, so the Heat did something kind of interesting where they gave they signed Mo Harkless to about $3.6 million, which looked at the time to be their biannual exception. And then it turned out that they ended up splitting the MLE. If I, am I correct? Or did, or, or I guess yeah. what you're talking huh? You're, you're correct. So, I mean, I guess for a lot of people, it looked like the biannual exception, but if you're, if you know how the cap works, you should have never, you should have never locked yourself into that thinking, right? Because if the biannual exception is 3 million or 3.6 million and the full mid-level is 9.3 million, then what you're saying to yourself is because they spent 3.6, it has to be the biannual. But no, it doesn't. It could be just a small portion of the full mid-level exception. And the heat retained the flexibility to do either one now. So yeah. when they were signing that contract, they didn't know which one it would be. They, they gave the amount of money that it could be either one, Right. Once they were locked into not using the full mid-level exception and they just slotted into the mid-level, 
and gave the difference to Avery Bradley. So the full 9.3 was split between the two players. They were hedging. Yeah, I mean, they were, no, well, hedging is, is not, not the greatest word. It would be retaining flexibility would yeah. be a better one. If they yeah. wanted to use the full mid-level, then they could. They still could do that. They could give both the full mid-level of 9.3 and the 3.6 of the biannual. Ultimately, they didn't do that because Avery yeah. Bradley only took 5.6. If it was another player at the full mid-level, then, then, then they had been. that flexibility. And now by retaining it, they can still use the biannual both this year or next year if they're an over-the-cap team next year. So, I, would, so okay, I, want, I want that part kind of explained to the audience a little bit because I, I was trying to understand. So next season... You know, because they because they did not use the biannual because they split that they're going to have the biannual for either a buyout guy or or if somebody else kind of trickles out of free agency this season if they don't use it. Well, so the biannual exception, first of all, as it's named, is only available once every two years. Right. So if you use it this year, it's automatically gone next year. So by not using it this year so far, they retain the flexibility to use it either this year. They could still use it. They have 15 players, but they're seven and a half million dollars below the salary cap below the luxury tax. And if they find a player that they really like, they can use it this year. If they don't use it this year, then they have it available for next year. And that's the flexibility it gives them. Now, if they use cap room next year, and we all hope that we get Giannis and that would require cap room, and then we, uh, and then the biennial exception would be gone. Like every other exception, it goes away if you use cap room. But that's not guaranteed. So they retain the flexibility to use it in case they remain over the cap next year. Didn't they technically use cap room to sign Goron and Myers, or is that just because it's bird rights that doesn't that doesn't work that way? No, they, they stayed over the cap. They didn't use cap room this, this summer. Oh, because they had, of, they because of Goron's cap hold? Yeah, because they didn't renounce the rights. Got you, Ken. They didn't Goron's. renounce anybody, anybody's rights. They stayed over the salary cap the entire time. They had bird rights. I called See, it. I follow Albert's work. Albert, I called it fake ass cap space all, all, all season because Goran's $28 million cap hold and they had about 22 in space. So I always, I was just telling people, this is fake ass cap space. Uh, they don't really. 22 they, they, in practical space, but that's only if they renounce their rights. So uh, I had a different perspective, right? I mean, if Goran Dragic had gone somewhere else and obviously he never had that intention because he signed the moment the agency started. He liked Robert. He liked her. Yeah, I mean, I, that's right. But if he had gone somewhere else, then everybody would have changed course and they said, oh, of course they're going to use capital now because who else is remaining? Yeah. Jay Crowder, would you rather use Jay, or sign Jay Crowder or get $22 million of cap space? Everybody would, well, you could sign Jay Crowder into that 22 and still have some left. That's the point, so... Anyway, it doesn't that, that, matter. That's actually interesting. I, you know, we were we were operating the whole time under the assumption that Gora, there was just no chance. I mean, uh, I think uh, the reporting at, at locally with the papers and Five Reasons Sports and all that. I mean, I think it was pretty clear that 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 Goran Goran had intended to stay. I mean, all those billboards oh, basically confirmed. It was absolutely clear that he intended to stay, but we were being a little bit too casual by saying they absolutely wouldn't use cap room because if he had gone, then. The, the narrative would have shifted and most people probably would have said, okay, Kaplan's a possibility now. So, so what you were saying when you were saying they'd stay over the cap without realizing it is you're saying Goran Dragic is definitely staying. And I think that was a fair assumption. So that's why it was everybody was so definitive about it. I agree. So Albert, some people on our Discord server, which by the way, if you are interested in getting in on the action on our Miami Heat, Miami Heat Beat Discord server, you know we have a link in the description. Ask us on Twitter if you can't find it. I mean, it's a lot of fun. We're we're talking all the time, especially now in free agency. I'm in there. Brian's in there. Uh, even some Heat Beat alumni are in there. Leif is in there. Uh, get in on the action. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, we and we also have some AMAs. So when we have guests on, you know, we give our our listeners the opportunity to ask some guests questions that they want to know. So Fidel on our Discord 
Discord server is asking if you can maybe explain a little bit about the trade exception. How do you get it? When does it expire? And how can you use it? And can you combine it, you know, with other players' salaries? So that's something I actually learned that you couldn't do uh, this off season. Uh, can you use it to trade for players when you are already over the cap like the Heat can? Okay, let's break that question down because there's multiple questions. There's a lot, yeah. The first, multi, multi-pronged. The first, the first is how you get it. How you get it is simple. If you trade away one player and take back less salary in return, the difference in salaries becomes your trade exception. So if I trade away a player making $10 million and I take back $5 million in salary in return, it could be one player or many, then the difference between that 10 and 5 becomes a trade exception. You've got a $5 million trade exception. So... Hopefully that part's clear. Um, now, let's say I have a trade exception in, in the Heat's case, seven and a half million. So let's use that. From the moment of the trade, you have one year to use it. It's a little bit messed up this year because of the shortened season. Yes. It's, it's a little bit less than that now, but you have one year to use it and you can use it to acquire someone in trade without taking back matching salaries. So for example, because the Heat has seven and a half million dollar trade exception at this very moment, and by the way, they're about seven and a half million dollars below the, the luxury tax line. It's amazing. Andy Ellisberg, baby. Um, they could go out and find a player on any other team that's making up to seven and a half million dollars and trade for him without sending back any salary in return. So you need to create a roster spot, though. You would need to probably. And that's cut something that could cut. Silva. Could I? I mean, yeah, I was thinking that because the Heat technically are still under the luxury tax, where they can cut cuts. They can cut Chris Silva without obviously having like stretches out. You could just take the cap hit this year, right? Absolutely, and because they're seven and a half million dollars below the uh, uh, luxury tax line, they can just waive a player. You know, if it's Chris Silva, then it's Chris Silva, and still utilize the extra seven and a half million below the, the luxury tax, however they want to. So they have that flexibility this year because they didn't go right up to the tax line. Now I have a question on top of that because obviously, like this year is going to be weird in terms of like just the BMI for like um, was it what's what's it called? Where is it uh, where the league um, has like the the um, basketball? They like income? negotiate the player salaries where it's like fifty one, fifty percent, and all that stuff. Because I know I uh, yeah, BRI. So I, I saw a post I think from Eric Pincus where like. Golden State, for example, they 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 use their trade exception in order to bring in mm-hmm. um, Kelly Oubre, but obviously, like their their luxury tax it might be declined because of the whole weird season of uh, just the salary shortage and and I think I, I think it was like a twenty or thirty percent decline of the luxury tax possibility. Right. So, so, so if the Heat were over maybe like a million or two, is that something that could help them bring them under the luxury tax if they needed to? So actually, the Golden State situation was was a pretty good example of of how trade exceptions work. Last year, they sent out Iguodala and took nothing back in return, and he was making seventeen million dollars. So seventeen million out, zero in equals a seventeen million dollar trade exception. They have up to a year to use it, and they used it. They're going to use it when it becomes official. On Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre makes fourteen, so he fits within that trade exception. Now, what you're talking about is they're a very expensive team to begin with, right? So adding them in makes them more expensive, and that's going to yield to, uh, yield to a massive luxury tax bill. But because BRI, essentially the league's revenues is declining this year, you know, fans can't be in attendance, and that's going to take away maybe 25 30% of the league's revenue, call it 25 they will lower the tax bill by that 25%. That's so... 
when you see people saying they're going to pay X amount of dollars in luxury tax, it will get declined. Nobody knows yet how much because it will depend upon how much revenues decline from what they were expecting them to be. And they were expecting the league to generate about eight and a half billion dollars of revenues. Albert, you are as kind and as gracious and as knowledgeable about this stuff as anybody. How do you feel when you see people just willy-dilly speak with authority like they know something about the cap and they're just blatantly wrong? Because I, I feel like that happens on Twitter every day. And I just imagine you kind of face palming and shaking <laughs> your head and like, oh, these kids. Yeah, I mean, people tell me I'm wrong all the time. And Wait, what? People not- tell you that you're wrong? <laughs> Yeah, people on Twitter, they just say, this is wrong, that's wrong, the other thing is wrong. I would prefer they ask me a question as opposed to declaring I'm wrong because <laughs> I will gladly explain to them oh, the God. logic. But it is what it is. It's the Twitter world, right? So Oh, my goodness. How how dare they say you're wrong? Albert, see, Albert, you are the authority of the salary cap. As far as I'm concerned, it's you and Andy. That's it. You and Andy Ellsberg. <laughs> Definitely not Milwaukee's team right now. Albert, I don't know. I'm sure that you've seen the the stuff with with the Bucks and how they handled their their salary cap. I mean that so, that feels a bit mind boggling to me. Kind of how that got fumbled. Is that something that's common in the league? I mean that 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 just feels a little bit. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we're just paying extra attention to it because of Giannis, but it, it just feels like pretty insane how all these stories are coming out about how they just have completely fumbled their salary cap. So I would hope it's not doesn't permeate the entire league because what they've done, you know, you never know what's happening behind the scenes, but this is pretty cut and dry, right? They've made what I would classify as significant mistakes in the last two uh, summers. Last summer, I pointed to a possibility where they could generate a $10 million trade exception if they just made some minor changes to the contracts they structured and they chose not to do so. And I mentioned it and then <laughs> it doesn't matter. Then, um, <laughs> They defended their actions in a way which you could, it was transparent, right? You could see they have to defend their action because they don't want to admit to a mistake. But um, that was last summer. This summer, um, they basically signed one of their players who had early bird rights, Pat Knotten, to a contract that used his his non-bird rights. Um, Sorry, his early bird rights. Sorry, that's a big difference. And his early bird rights require you to have at least a two-year deal. And he signed to a they agreed to sign him to a one-year deal with a player option. Can't do that. That's a violation of the cap rules. Now, that is as easy a cap rule as you'll get in the NBA. So I can't imagine how they did it, how they overlooked that. So he was going to have a four-year, uh, $4 million starting salary with a player option for the second year. Once they found out that was not possible, they had to give him $5 million, an extra million in this year to make it a three-year deal with an option at the end of the third year. And that extra million dollars really has damaging impacts on their salary cap position because they're so close to the, to the hard cap. So it had a real material difference. And not only that, once they made that mistake, they corrected it by giving him more money. They didn't have to do that. They could have structured the, tra- the, the acquisition, which required them to be hard capped, as a signing trade rather than doing it into the non-tax level exception and avoided that. Now, all of this is very confusing, I know, but yes, these mistakes are very, they're very 
unexpected, let's call it for a, for an actual NBA basketball team. I just really wanted to ask because I, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, especially with this kind of off season where it feels like a lot of lateral moves for the heat, you know, people are kind of on Twitter complaining about Pat and Andy and the organization, everything. And I just kind of really want people to understand that, you know, look at the other good teams in the league and what they're doing and how, you know, I think how fortunate the Heat fans are because they have such a good front office, very on top of the cap. And I know people get on the Heat for those four-year deals a couple of years ago. I mean, that's that's probably one of the few mistakes that this franchise has really made in that kind of sense. So I just I really wanted Albert to articulate why you know Heat fans should be really thankful and they should you know not not saying that you can't be critical of the team online or anything, but you know kind of kind of be thankful. And and part of the reason why we had Albert on is because there is there is a vision in what they're doing, right? And and Albert, I think you'd agree. I think that they're, you know, while this wasn't a very sexy offseason where they're getting Danilo Gallinari and Paul Millsap and Wes Matthews, you know, all this stuff, re-signing Jay Crowder and Goran Dragic and like they're gunning for the championship. I thought that they really positioned themselves really smartly salary cap wise. They remain flexible. They retain their pretty, pretty enticing trade assets and I think for 2021, which has always been the plan, they're as well positioned as ever. Well, I would agree with that. You know, during this regular during this past regular season, everybody was talking about the possibility of getting Giannis next summer, right? And then this this offseason happened, and Milwaukee started making their moves, and you know, they got a couple of guys. Well, in theory, they they thought they had a couple of guys. They thought they had Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich. Um, that part fell apart. Yeah. And As we record, Bogdanovich uh, uh, accepted his offer sheet with the Hawks, by the way. Yeah, so they still got two days to match. So that just means that he's going to Atlanta or, or, or uh, Sacramento as Sacramento matches, but um, nowhere else. Um, so, but all of a sudden they're making these moves and everybody's starting to get a little bit nervous that Giannis is going to sign his contract. All these reports come out saying Giannis is going to sign his max extension and it's going to be offered this obviously it's probably already offered it could be offered at noon today um giannis was going to sign and our plan was over what should we do right he remained disciplined through all of that now i've always been of the impression that he would not sign his extension because he had very little incentive to do so but he remained disciplined through all of that now we're in a position where we will have the maximum cap space next summer to sign him so you can't fault the heat for doing exactly what we wanted them to do throughout the entire season Right. They're in this position now where they have wonderful flexibility for next summer. I saw on Twitter that somebody said that, you know, we got mad at the Heat for giving a bunch of multi-year deals into back then, and now we're mad that they did it, and, and we really need to decide what we want them to do. All right, Albert, I know you got to go. Last thing before we get you out, a little bit on the BAM extension, because I, I feel like no news is good news at this point for both Giannis and BAM uh, with their extensions for the Heat. Yeah, and, and, and talk, you were mentioning how um, Giannis doesn't have an incentive to sign it right now. Explain more about that. Okay. So Giannis is going to get the same money, right? The same exact money. Well, if he signs the extension with Milwaukee, he can either sign it this summer or next summer, and it's the exact same amount of money, right? It all starts in 2021, and it's the exact same contract. So why would a player who has the ability to sign the exact same contract next summer and give another give himself another year to evaluate his team lock himself in this year when he could just do it next year that was my thinking right the only reason why you would lock that money in is because of injury concerns right but short of being concerned about injury 
you wouldn't want to lock yourself into a contract this season with a team that you don't know if you want to be with um, over the long term. If they have another bad season next year, then he might want to leave. So why lock him into that contract now? His contract, by the way, the Supermax contract with Milwaukee would be five years and $228 million at the current projection for next year, $112 million. With any other team, it would be 145. So that's a lot less. But that's also misleading because it's not with a, with the Milwaukee, obviously, he'd sign a five-year contract worth 228 million. With any other team, he'd probably sign a two-year contract and opt out, and then get the max when he gets to be a 10-year veteran. Your max salary goes higher as a 10-year veteran. Um, it goes to 35% of the salary cap as opposed to if he signs next summer, it's only 30. So he could get over those same five years with any other team about 205, 206, 207 million. So you compare that to 228, it's not that much different. So all, I mean, I'm casually ignoring 20 million bucks. <laughs> 20 million bucks, but it's not the it's not the dramatic difference that we're we're seeing all over the news, right? So why would he sign a contract this summer when he can sign the exact same one next summer and have the ability to evaluate whether he wants to even be with the Bucks? So the fact that he hasn't signed that extension means doesn't mean he's going to leave Milwaukee. He could he could wait if they win the title this year. I'm, could very easily resign. But if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, third round, whatever it is, I don't know what he's thinking. If they get bounced early, let's call it in the playoffs, without reaching the finals like they did last year, then maybe he says to himself, you know what, if I'm on this team, I have a better shot, whether that team is Dallas or Miami or whomever. That's that's sort of where the heat is. That's that's why the heat is retaining this flexibility. That's why Dallas made all the trades they did this this summer to be able to, to be able to have maximum for him next summer. So People are lining up for the possibility that he does not want to sign his extension this summer. They're betting on that already. And so on your way out, a little we'll bit on the BAM stuff because, you know, his yeah, extension the, the is a big extension, piece of this. Yeah, so BAM is eligible for an extension right now. It could be um, that he could either sign it right now or sign the exact same contract as a free agent next summer. So it's going to be 25% of the salary cap. It could be increased to 30% if he meets certain, if he reaches all NBA first, second, or third team, however they want to structure it. But the point is you either sign the extension right now or you sign it next summer. Same exact money. Now, a player in, in Bam Shoes would want to sign it right now because it's the same exact money and he's going to be a restricted free agent next year, which means he can't go anywhere else, most likely. And he probably wouldn't want to. He loves Miami. Sign it now, because if I get injured, then I might lose that money is the thinking. But if he does that, the Heat loses anywhere between 13 and $17 million of capital next summer. And all of a sudden, you don't have max out, uh, max tax space for Giannis or anybody else. So picture it right now. Right now, we have enough cap room for a max contract next summer with anywhere between nothing and $9 million left to spare after it. So that's Giannis plus anywhere up to $9 million. That's what we're looking at now. If if Bam Adebayo signs that extension right now, it's gone, no Giannis, unless we do a trade to get him, a sign and trade to get him. So that's the difference. He takes his money now or he takes the money next summer. If he takes it now, he gets the exact same money as he would have next summer, but we lose the ability to sign a max contract next summer. He takes it next summer instead. He gets the exact same money, but we have the ability to sign that next summer. What do you make of them really having the same sense. agent and them kind of, you know, Giannis and Bam have the same agent. So, you know, no extension. You know, what do you what do you make of the people that read into the agent, you know, is, is 
the the agent aspect of this? The agent aspect of it is real. The relationship with the heat organization is real. I mean, this is this is what the heat culture is all about, right? So you, you make that little sacrifice in terms. But I meant of from the extension standpoint. <laughs> I mean, from like Bam, you know, Bam's agent not pushing for the extension because he might feel like his client, you know, would not be able to I'm get sure his way. I'm sure he is pushing for it. This is all a. This is all a relationship um, situation, right? I'm sure his agent is pushing for that extension, but he understands the heat's predicament and they've had a discussion. Look, there's no, the, the big downside for Bam is he could get injured, right? That's a huge risk. So he'll get insurance to cover that possibility and then he'll be protected in that way, hopefully. Um, beyond that, there's no downside to Bam waiting, except for the fact he doesn't get to lock in his money right now. And who knows, there's, there's risk, but... He understands that the heat predicament is is real, and that he could be playing with Giannis next summer. And he'll, I think, he'll push it back. There's no guarantee, right? Yeah. The heat. I mean, it or, could be. Or Kawhi. Paul George. It's quite bountiful free agency. Uh, I'm not next. Allowed, I mean, yes, with all the other options, you know, Kawhi's uh, a big option for me. I'm not in love as much with the Paul George uh, possibility. Me neither. That's, <laughs> I don't think anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Playoff P. Albert, you are the best. Thank you so much for joining us. You are so generous with your time. I know you want to watch the Dolphins and you have a beautiful Sunday to get to. We appreciate all all the time, always. You are a blessing to not just Heat Twitter, but to all of NBA Twitter, as kind as they come, as knowledgeable as they come. Albert DeMod, where can people follow your work? Thank you, guys. Uh, what you, what you give, give, give your Twitter handle on the way out for the people. Oh, do you have anything to plug too? You have anything to plug? My Twitter handle is at Albert Namid, Albert A N A, Albert N A H M A D. Okay. Um, my website, which I haven't written on in forever, is heathoops.com. <laughs> Nothing else to, to plug, really. You're the best, sir. Take care. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy your weekend, and stay healthy. No offense. All right, thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Albert. That was Albert Namid uh, joining us today. 2020 has already reshaped how we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world. And with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore, Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short-term list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try it with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. 
and you might not be at the game this year, but you will be on in the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you the most options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now we're going to pivot a little bit to kind of some X's and O's stuff um, with Nikias, right? So we have we have one of the premier basketball minds, uh, you know, covering the NBA. And I, I, Nikias, I wanted to talk a little bit about this Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless business. Avery solves their point of attack defensive issues. However, dude can't do much else. It's kind of weird. I don't really, I don't hate the fit. It, it's as good as they could have done given the circumstances, but you know, I don't know. Hard to be excited. Uh, yeah, it's important not to conflate Avery Bradley feeling a legitimate need and Avery Bradley being good because I don't think he's particularly good. <laughs> At basketball overall, like he's a he's a fine sh- he's a fine shooter. Um, doesn't do much else. Not really a plus passer. Uh, not a great finisher. But again, what? My, but he does the one thing that the Heat need the really one thing well. Miami need right? was a point of attack defender, and there were maybe two guys on the market that were better at that skill than Avery Bradley. And Avery Bradley was the unrestricted uh, option that the Heat went for. Um, I would probably say Chris Dunn, who took a deal with Atlanta, though he's much worse offensively than Avery Bradley is, which is hard to do. So it's understandable that the (laughs) Heat didn't want to create their spacing that way. Um, Other guy. Plus, he signed for more years, too. Other guy, I mean, Gary Payton, uh, the second, is still out there. Um, He's he's a fringe NBA talent, but the one thing he does is defend guards at an extremely high level. So if the Heat wanted to take a flyer, they could have done that. But they go with the proven guy in Avery Bradley, um, played an important role on a title team um, before opting the guy out of the bubble. So, again, can shoot a little bit off movement, can defend point guards. That's all Miami really needs him to do. So the fit is obvious there. Um, I would assume that he starts kind of be your spot starter, um, 18 to 24 minutes, somewhere in that range. Um, could close out some games really? depending on the matchup. Yeah, just depending on who you think. Um, I mean, that lineup person, look like? Uh, you would go Bradley, I guess, Bradley, Hero, Robinson, Butler, Bam. If you want to go Butler at the four, that option's available. Um, you can go with Bradley, one uh. of Hero or Robinson. Huh? And get a little bit more switchable if you want to throw uh, Mo Harkless in there if he has the jumper going. Andre Godala if he has the jumper going. Um, you know, the, the optionality is there. I'm not sure Hero starts. I know that a lot of people have thrown that around, but, I mean, I think just Bradley, Duncan, Jimmy – at Bam and Myers or Bam and Harkless makes the most sense. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be in a rush to start hero. I understand kind of the appeal of it, but I just think from a, from a lineup perspective, you know, I think it makes more sense to start Bradley. Yeah. I think Bradley starts. I think the real question becomes hero versus Robinson. So I guess if you're looking at it within that lens, then it depends on what the heat prioritize. If it's the movement shooting and what Bam and Duncan Robinson does and dribble handoff or how it opens up things for everyone else, then sure. 
But again, Brand Avery Bradley isn't a guy that's going to be breaking down guys in isolation or running pick and rolls for you. So if you do need someone to spell Jimmy Butler those ball handling opportunities, then I think Hero slots as a fit there. So it's really just going to depend on what the Heat prioritize um, in terms of the offensive fit there. How do you feel about Bradley shooting on the move? Because Miami has your shooters flying off that pistol action. They they really love the handoff stuff. Shooters coming off of that. How do you how do you like Bradley in those kinds of sets that Spo's in love with? Like he's fine with it. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that flies off some pin downs. Um, he's going to be pin downs and spot ups. I think. Uh, but I mean, he's been doing that basically his entire career. Um, he throw. He was thriving off of similar actions back in Boston when he was there. Um, just coming off of those screen actions. So I think the comfort is going to be there. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be running your offense to Avery Bradley or anything like that. He's not going to be the primary screen guy. <laughs> but if you're just looking for a guy that can knock down some open shots for you, he can do that. I Do you, you think know, he I, has more appeal than, than none starting at this point? Is that what you're basically yeah, going for? I think you know how we feel about none. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just don't see none improving enough defensively to make it worth it because I think none gives you that off the dribble shooting. Um, he did grow as a passer throughout the regular season. Um, it was infuriating watching that first month. He was making shots, but he was missing a lot of reads, but he finally started making those reads um, right as the season got shut down. So if you believe he bounces back to the regular season form, which I think he's going to, I think there's going to be some positive progression there. He's not the guy that we saw in the bubble. Then you can make the argument that you just go, you just run back the starting lineup from last year, but the defense that every Bradley provides, I think it's just night and day between him and none. And I think the heat wants to shore that up. So I, I wouldn't anticipate um, none getting that spot. I would be surprised if none is on the heat roster when the season starts, honestly. Honestly, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, we didn't get to ask Albert this, but like, you know, I, I imagine that, and this might be a question for, for Leif next time he comes on, but like, you know, what, what the heat are looking at with Kelly and, and Kendrick Nunn kind of, you know, you, that's a, that's a decent, that's, that's probably mm-hmm. their most popular trade machine package and, and kind of seeing what they can get. And also you consolidate seems that like, roster spot. Yeah. It seems like they really need to consolidate this roster again. Like we had this issue a couple of years ago. When they had all those guards, Tyler, Tyler I Johnson. Kinda, I kind of feel like they have a lot of wings now that they they probably want to give some playing time. Like KZ, you get, you signed to a three year deal. He didn't play last year much. You kind of want to see what you got with him this year before I guess they have a decision to make next year with him. Because I see a lot so, of people talking about KZ as a four. I I was I mean obviously we haven't seen him play that much, but like I, I've always I mean, he looks like a the prototypical three for them. I don't think he's big enough to guard fours. He should be taking DJJ spot now. Yeah, I guess the argument for. KZ at the four is that he's just as thin as Derrick Jones Jr. was, and he's probably a little bit longer. So I guess if you just want to have that switchable guy or the guy just kind of hounding the passing lands, or if they want to run some zone off the bench, um, remember the Sacramento game from KZ last year, you can just toss him at the top of your zone. Oh, yeah. Then that's how you do it. I mean, offensively, he's just going to be a spot up and attack a closeout type guy. So I think he works as a four in spurts. Um, just in general, like you can't carve out 16, 18 minutes for him. I mean, he's just way too thin. Um, even if you believe in the ball skills and the shooting, like he just won't survive defensively if you're playing him at the four for long stretches. It seems like he's had a lot of muscles since we last saw him. I don't I mean we didn't even get to see him in the bubble at all. He didn't even play like any of those like scrimmages games. So I want to see him now. Like I wish, I mean, I guess there will be a preseason. So I guess maybe we'll get to see a little bit of what he's done over the last year since we last saw yeah, him. I, I don't I, I imagine he's probably bigger than he was at that, that, that Sacramento yeah, game. Everybody just needs a lot of work. And then 
the other without him playing the four. I mean, the Heat just drafted Precious. I would imagine that he's going to get time at the four. Yep. And if we don't see a, a trade with Olenek and Dunn, at least early on, then Olenek's your backup five and having Precious kind of as the guy that can roam as a help side defender or, you know, operate as the pick and roll guy while Kelly pops. I think there's a natural fit there. So I think you kind of pigeonholing um, KZ as the backup three if he's going to get minutes at all. I've seen a lot of people talk about Precious being the backup five, and I, I've really pivoted on that. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I, I think that he's a power forward, and I think that he look at him as a, as a Jeremy Grant type guy, wow. you know, a guy that can defend. You could switch. I don't. He's six nine, and he has a wingspan, but I don't know if he's gonna have that. I mean, I know Bam's about that size too, but Bam has a different kind of build than Precious. I mean, I, I mean, I if think, you look at the depth chart, we don't really have a natural four. I don't think they really don't. I mean. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, but that's fine. I mean, I think the, with the way that they play and everything. I mean, I think Harkless fits in really nicely there he could. at the four, Nikai. Yeah, I think Harkless is, gonna, is probably going to get some burn at the four. Um, I think the, like yeah, most of it. he, he kind of has to be that guy. Um, like I said, if they're starting, Myers, Bam is your starting four. And if you're calling Bam your four, I think the four position is solidified there. Well, Harkless is a guy that's going to operate as the four offensively, again, going to spot up. Um, defensively, he seems like a guy he's more comfortable defending threes than he is with fours, but he can hang with some fours. So I, he's he's more tweener than four, I feel, but he's going to fit um, slide into those minutes because the Heat just don't have many other options there. So I that's saw a clip I, of him locking down James Harden. <laughs> that's I didn't even know he could do that. Yeah, he's a legit good defender. Well, I mean, I kind of get worried about him defending Forznikaias because that's something that I think at least Jay Crowder did really. I thought Jay Crowder kind of struggled against smaller, quicker mm-hmm. guys, but against bigger, stronger guys, you know, he was able to kind of maintain. He was really sound positionally. Uh, obviously, you know, didn't have the foot speed to keep up with guys like Luca and Trey and stuff like that on, on those switches. But I thought, you know, really good help guy, positionally strong. Um, we didn't even think about Iggy, but couldn't Iggy play the four a little bit? And he played no, five in the playoffs. No more of that. I'm done with Andre playing big positions. God, no. I want that yeeted into the sun. I've had enough. I had enough of Andre defending Anthony Davis. I don't need to see that anymore. I know how that works. Yeah. Against, You're against, laughing, uh, but they did that but, in the but, finals. But, I mean, well, they did it against uh, Giannis, and it seemed to work, so... They didn't I mean, play he lost Jay Crowder. That was Jay. Well, they, was played, the wall. they played Jay the most against Giannis. That's actually, I mean, it's easy when Eric Bledsoe is just allergic to hitting open threes. I mean, life's easy that way. Is Drew Holiday that yes, much better? Yes, he is. Yeah, yes. Drew's, uh, Drew. Absolutely. Who raises we'll their ceiling, Nikias, in a way? Like, I, I think that obviously, you know, they lost some depth, you know, uh, but I think people are like way too in love with Dante DiVincenzo and George Hill. George is a really good player who I would like here. But I mean, that George they, Hill's not on that roster anymore. I know that's what I'm saying. That people were in love with them. Oh my God, the Bucks lost Dante DiVincenzo and George. He's Hill still there. When I mean, you he's know, still there. Dante's still there. Dante. Oh, that's right. Dante is still there. They didn't yeah. do the sign and trade for for uh, for Bogdanovich. Yep. I mean, they're clearly better this year. I saw. I saw. Um, they added two pieces today. Um, if you want to guys talk about it, I think they added Brent Forbes and uh, the guy from the Spurs, Brent Forbes, and they added somebody else. Like Forbes, the Forbes deal is really nice for them. Really oh yeah, they added like Tory Craig from from Denver. That 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 one's great. I mean, I think that they're better than they were last year. I don't even think that's a question. I think Drew makes them better. Um, Nikas, I, I feel like the Heat went. You know, I don't think they got better. I don't think they got worse. I kind of think they stayed the same. I think. The upside of Jay Crowder is just higher than the upside of Mo Harkless, just because I think 
you know, you trust his jumper a little more. Mo Harkless has a really shaky jump shot. It's been good some years. It's been bad some years. Not a lot of volume. Never shot more than three threes a game. Um, you know, you're you're imagining that he's going to have a career year in terms of attempts uh, from three with the Heat, the the Spo offense. But if anything, it's a lateral move. At best, I think you're slightly better. Kind of curious how you feel. Um, I think the Heat are slightly better. Um, just as we're talking about um, fan bases overreacting or overrate, overrating or underrating moves, I feel like Myers Leonard has his limitations, and he looked capital B bad in the bubble. Like there's no there's no need to parse <laughs> words there. But also, we have to be careful about taking, you know, the recency violet play and like an eight or 10 game sample of Myers versus like the 40 or 50 games we saw in the regular season. Like he, he was a fine spot starter for Miami. And I think he's more that guy than he is the guy that we saw in the bubble that, you know, in, he got shut down due to injuries. And then Miami completely changed their rotation and the schemes they wanted to run. So he really had no, not only did he have a huge layoff, he also didn't have room to get back into rhythm because the, I mean, the playing time just wasn't there once he did get healthy. So there was just a lot of weirdness going on. And I think it's important not to think that that's just who he is. It was a bad stretch and it's fine to acknowledge that the stretch was bad. But I think once you get whatever semblance of a training camp we have, I think he's more of what we saw in the regular season, which is a guy who probably still doesn't shoot enough, but a guy that can shoot. A guy that boxes out and helps you helps your team rebound. A guy that calls out sets on the defensive end. A guy that sets good screens for Miami's um, dribble handoff actions. Can operate as a, a pick and pop guy and pick and roll. So I, I think he is a useful player. So if he's sliding back into the regular season, I don't think that he's sliding back into the starting lineup for the regular season at least. Like I think that's fine. The challenge is replacing the volume that Jay Crowder had offensively. Because I, I don't think he was the 45% from three guy that we saw once he first got to Miami and through the first two rounds of the playoffs. But even if you acknowledge that he's a 35, 36% three-point shooter in a vacuum, he also took a lot of attempts. So the onus is going to be on Myers Leonard to take more threes if he's back in the starting lineup. If Mo Harkless is going to slide into that spot, that spot starter role at the four, even if it's for 18, 20 minutes, he has to take more than three attempts. Like it has to go up to five or six. And then you kind of live with that because I think defenses treat Jay Crowder and treat Moharkless the same. It's a soft closeout, or you yeah. just ignore them the muck of other actions. So the quality of looks I think are going to be equal. What separates Jay, you know, he's he's a slightly better shooter, but he takes enough to where it matters at the end of the day. Mo Harkless hasn't been that guy. So it's between between Harkless and Leonard, one of those two has to really commit to taking more threes. And you just kind of live with it from that's or you just get dunking like 23s a game, right? That's that's the stuff I'm worried about. And I think, you know, by the way, like I I don't I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but like Jay Crowder was really good at finishing with the heat this year. I I don't I know I, I saw I remember looking, it was like I think near 70% at the rim. Something crazy. I mean, part of that is, you know, the dudes rolling off a wide open fucking closeout or something. Right. But, you know, I, I thought, especially in the, in the playoffs, I thought some of those finishes, you know, w- when they needed it, you know, kind of was able to slide by defenders, avoid charges, kind of get those kind of tough finishes has really good hands. Uh, he's a big guy. 
you know, really strong at the rim. Not that he's, you know, finishing through contact or anything, but, you know, if he gets pushed a little bit um, on the way up, he's good. It's it's certainly a loss, and it's it's pretty – you know, it hurts because, you know, we talked about it with Albert, you know, that, that money. You know, you, you would have hoped that, you know, Jay Crowder could have kind of got the money that Myers got, and you kind of pivot to their small, mm-hmm. switchy lineups. Um, so it, it sucks. Kind of wondering, Nikaias, do you feel like we're going to see more of a – more some more drop defense in the regular season with some zone and then once they get to the playoffs when the rotation gets cut you know we're going to bam at the five we're going to more switching we're going right like i think with myers and kelly are in the game you know you're kind of forced to drop in that big and pick and rolls and stuff like that but you know once once it's not cutting time you know you kind of go to your lineup with harkless or whoever you know you feel is your power precious whoever the hell uh, is the guy that you're going with and you're just kind of switching those yeah, actions. I think the game plan from last year is basically what we're going to see, especially if Myers Leonard is sliding into the starting lineup. It's going to be a lot of drop, which, again, this is why the Avery Bradley signing is a big one for Miami. Um, just a guy that can hound point guards in particular. So I think if you have Bradley and he stays healthy, then that shores that up a little bit. And now, you know, the Heat did a good job of preventing rim attempts last year. Um, it was still a bit of a mess when teams were able to get into the room, but I think you have you have some improvement there in which the attempts are lower. I feel, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now either. I think they were what tenth in terms of rim rate allowed. No, they were they were in the top three, I think, or the top five in, in fewest field goal yeah, attempts at the rim. They were they were right up there. Yeah, it's and then the number two, and um, in like highest it, percentage yeah. at the rim. It was just once they went to the rim, they basically yeah, yeah. converted okay. a lot. So yeah, that, that could probably improve even more um, just because, I mean, Avery Bradley is fantastic navigating screens, getting to a drip ball handler's um, airspace, just making things uncomfortable, forcing them into those um, mid-range looks. Um, Bradley helps quite a bit there. And, you know, the drop is a more conservative scheme. Um simple to apply those principles during the regular season, which helps with some of the new guys, even though, I mean, they add a lot of bets. I don't think there's going to be a super um, big learning curve there, but you also want to save Bam a little bit. You know, if he's going to be switching out in the postseason and boy, does he switch out in the postseason? Uh, You you want to to make sure that he's, uh, that he's ready for that. You don't want to put too much on his plate during the regular season. I would imagine that he's going to have even more on ball responsibility this year. Um, this is going to be a big year for his jumper, I feel like. He's, he's been flashing it for a couple yeah. of years now. Um, this probably needs to be the year that he really commits to taking more jumpers, and maybe we see him spot out to the corners a little more this year. Maybe he takes two or three game, uh, threes yeah, a game. He has the form for it. He has the I feel like – I don't know, man. That little 10-footer, I don't feel good about it. I don't, and I think – He's got to at least get the 15 footer before he's going to be comfortable taking. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just a guy who's been always kind of on the conservative end for his career. I mean, the, the last year, not, not the year before last, um, the Dwayne's last season, Hassan's last season here, like, you know, he, he was a guy that I think we saw the ball skill and everything and just really was conservative about it, wouldn't really kind of take charge. And even this season, I mean, he showed it in flashes, but I mean, we've been pounding the table for him to kind of go at guys to take more charge offensively, to be more of a face-up guy, to kind of go at the rim more, not just be a guy rolling uh, in terms of like his scoring opportunities. And like at times we saw it game six against the Celtics. And I think that second half in game six against the Lakers, you know, we saw a lot of that. I mean, dude, very quietly, 
ripped the Lakers apart in the second half of game six after that awful first half. <laughs> yeah. Um, very quietly. Like, let's be honest. I mean, the game was over. Uh, Bam was completely dominating the second. Didn't he finish with like 30, 11, and six or something? It was something crazy. Some wild, yeah. Um, yeah, so we, get, I, we need I'm, to see more of that. And then I think that's also going to be something that the Heat might. I don't know. This is something that I was thinking about uh, earlier today because obviously, like, we saw like the contracts that Donovan Mitchell got, De'Aaron Fox. Like, the upside of his contract is going to be $195 million if he makes all NBA. And you got to imagine Bam already has that in his head. Like, hey, if I make all NBA this season, I'm going to be making close to $40 million per year compared to $33 million per year on his new deal. So you I have to guess. imagine Bam's going to be going all out next year trying to make that all NBA team. So. Nikaias, you want to guess what Bam shot from three to ten feet three last to 10 year? Three to ten feet. Uh, let me say like thirty-eight percent. Forty-five. A lot better than I thought. A lot better than I thought. Uh, he shot forty percent from twelve to sixteen, from t- from ten to sixteen. Um, <clears throat> better than I thought. And I think if if he can kind of get those attempts up and hold those percentages, I think that's a win yeah. for the franchise. Yes, he he's gonna probably have. Similar a similar year to what Pasco had last year is what I'm thinking. Oh, Brian, don't Brian. That's you're talking my love oh, language. You don't know. You're like talking my game, love that, language. That, to me, that that makes sense. I think he can have a 22 per game year. I mean, he was arguably better than Pascal last season. I mean, uh, in the playoffs, I, he was. I, I don't think sure. he'll have that kind of offensive season. I don't think Bam has that much in the bag. As I mean, Pascal he has a also. Lot, he has a lot to gain if he if he increases his. Shot percentage. I As guess. someone who watched a disproportionate amount of Raptor games last season, uh, pa- Pascal was crossing dudes over the three point yeah, line and pulling up. I don't, Bam's not gonna have he that. Have in that his bag. with the handle. He's more powerful than Pascal is, which is why I think there's just yeah. there's the difference in the free throw rate. Once Bam puts his head down, combined with the quickness that he has, he can pretty much get to the line whenever he wants to. Like that. That was the thing while he was playing behind Hassan. It was one of those hidden nuggets you saw when he was getting those bench minutes. Like, hey, he's averaging such and such free throws per 100 or whatever. Like he he gets to the line like he already has some of those trips those tricks with the pump fake with the rip throughs, so he has those. It's really it's about aggression with him. Like I'm really worried about him being able to cross over guys. He can do that. Like he does have some shake in his in his game. Um, we see that when he goes coast to coast, but it's more about just the aggression. Like go to the rim more. You know you have the strength, you have the leaping ability. You get to the free throw line. Like he's a good free throw shooter for a big. I mean, I think that's where the growth is, just being more comfortable taking taking charge. The next thing I want to see with him, Nikias, is, you know, we're looking at kind of how teams are defending him and that handoff in particular. Uh, and I think now what we want to see is, you know, if if they're switching that handoff, right? So, you know, if, if they're putting Duncan's man, you know, if they're putting a bigger guy on Duncan and to, to have him switch off to Bam, I think Bam has to start taking more charge of attacking mm-hmm. that smaller matchup. You know, even even if it's up top of the three point line, I think he's strong enough to kind of put his head down, like you're saying, kind of attack the rim. I, I, obviously, he doesn't have a LeBron handle or anything, but I think it's tight enough that, and he's a good enough passer, especially off the dribble. I mean, you saw in that Celtics series that wraparound yeah. pass as he's taking Tice off the dribble to cut Jimmy Butler cutting, right? And they're going to have options in the corners, and and Tyler and, Dun- and Duncan's always relocating. So if if they're running that handoff and then Bam's taking it to the rim, you know Duncan's not standing there. Duncan Duncan's starting mm-hmm. to the corner. You know, guys are off ball screening. So. To me, that's other than the jumper. That's the next kind of step I want him to take. 
uh, because it's not only going to help himself, it's going to help Duncan yeah, a lot. You're right on the money. This is something that I tweeted about, something that I've written about when it comes to Bam. Like he looks sneaky, sneakily bad on post-ups against guards last year, which is it's just a thing that can't happen. Like he, the touch is too good. He's too strong. He's too athletic. He's too big. He has too much length. He's too, too smart. smart. Yeah, like that, that's just and that's low hanging fruit from him, which is encouraging for the Heat. Like as we saw in the Boston series, like if he can do that in high stakes games, then surely he can do that against like the Kings in January. You know, if he can just do that more consistently, the fact that he's flashed that much stuff, he is as hungry <clears> as a dude as he is. I think it's encouraging. There's reason to project that he will get there eventually. I think 16 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, uh, one, one steal, one block. And those are just accounting stats, but yeah. I mean, that's, you know, 30 year guy. I mean, I don't know if that was a capital L leap. He certainly did make a leap free throw rate going to, um, going to about five free throws from, from three is, is huge too. I've talked about that a lot with guys like DeMar, for example, like, you know, you look at the free throw numbers and how they go up and how that's really indicative of kind of, you know, those leaps to stardom, right? Like, you know, the more you get to the rim and the more you're getting respect from the officials and, and kind of between him and Butler getting teams in the bonus sooner, it's going to help their defense, which, you know, struggled in the regular season last year. Before we go into Kaius, I got to ask, you know, looking at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, obviously Milwaukee got better. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, just as we said earlier, really raises the roof on their upside. I think that the people that are being critical of the uh, of Milwaukee's offseason, I, I understand it, but also we have to understand how good Drew Holiday is and how late in games and games that mattered, Eric Bledsoe was an offensive minus a lot of the time. And I think allows for that massive overhelping on Giannis. And I think if if you have a guy like Drew who's not He's not a JJ Reddick, Duncan type shooter, right? But the dude is is solid enough as a spot up guy, you know, who's going to be wide open all the time. Plus, you know, there are other additions that are smaller. But you know, I think when you have the the two time MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, you're keeping Brooke Lopez, you're keeping Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. That's your guy. Uh, adding a guy like Drew Holiday, I, I think that it's a little foolish. I think sometimes basketball Twitter tries to overthink stuff. I mean, they added arguably their their best third best player second best player i mean depends i mean i know you don't feel that way but you know some may argue so well, they could still use more shooting especially they, if Corver's not back everybody can use more shooting uh the nets obviously you know with kd Kyrie, you know uh raptors gonna take a step back uh serge baka you know signing with the clippers uh four one out Boston two boston without gordon hayward boston without gordy they got tristan thompson who is you know Gonna gonna help it now. They have a they have a, a logjam at center between Tice and Thompson and and uh, Time Lord and uh, the, the other kid who was dancing on the sideline, Robert Williams. Uh, <laughs> so annoying. I'm just, God, a grant dude, you're down. You're down in the series. Why are you dancing? I'm an old man now. Uh, I know, man. I was just I don't know. You you Nikias, I you know. I mean, you, you see me in the group chat. I became a different person that that run. Yes, yes, you did. Uh, can't I changed, but yeah, I mean, just, just looking at the landscape of the East, how do you, how do you feel? Cause I think at least, you know, I think they're, they're certainly, I think comfortably the third best team, depending on how you feel about Boston. And if, 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 if Jason Tatum could take another leap, I think they're comfortably top four at this uh, point. Yeah, I would definitely say they're top four. Um, I would probably say third. Um, I would say Milwaukee's should be the favorite right now. 
Um, I still really like Boston. Uh, I would say Miami's third. I just can't get there with Brooklyn right now. I, <laughs> I, I just don't trust the defense at all. And they haven't done a lot to really answer those questions. Like, I like Bruce Brooklyn. I mean, they added shooting with Shamit, but I don't think they really added any defensive weapons. I mean, they were going after Ibaka. They didn't get him. I, mean, who I did thought they DJ up, was they, underrated Did they sign anybody with the mid-level yet? I don't know if they have yet. Surge? Yeah, well, yeah, they I'm didn't saying. get him, so if they got anybody from mid-level at this level yet. point. They, so they still could probably get somebody else. I mean, if Durant is any kind of facsimile of a help defender that he was in Golden State, I think that's going to erase a lot of issues. I mean, he I mean was I've just heard a lot of outrageous. people like Kevin O'Connor saying, like, he'll probably still be a great offensive player, but his defense might take a hit just because of the Achilles injury. I mean, he, won't have the, he won't have the spring, but, I mean, that, that length doesn't go away. The length doesn't go away. Like, that's going to be a lot of strain on KD as a help defender that's coming off of the injury. We also have to talk about how, I mean, how is KD going to feel about playing a lot of four? Like that's all, that's always been his best position, but I'm not sure if that's something that he wants to do. He may want a traditional four just so he can kind of hide on a weaker perimeter guy and then provide the help as opposed to defending fours. So that is still a question. Yeah. Alicia is a guy that I would really like there. Who? Alicia? Uh, I don't think he doesn't help their defense though. I know, but I mean, it kind of slides KD into a, maybe a more conservative role for him. And I think I, I agree with you on the defense. I just think at times it can be so overwhelming offensively, you know, especially late in game, uh, you know, when, when those guys get in their bag. And I think, like I said, I, I think people were kind of hard on DJ last year. I thought he had a, an underrated year, especially toward the end. I, I really thought he cleaned a lot up. Yeah, he was fine. Uh He's also he's also listening. They can flip Jared Allen for stuff. I guess what's the stuff? They're gonna have to make a trade. It doesn't have to be for Harden, but they're yeah, gonna make like a trade. They, they need a four bad. Like they maybe it's Dinwiddie plus something to try to get Aaron Gordon in there. Like that that makes some sense. Ooh. But then again, I mean they just drafted Cole Anthony, so I don't know how much they want to get. How much playing time they want to get to like the Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz thing. I don't know. But they yeah, they need a four. I, I can't get there on Brooklyn. I need to see how Nash does as the coach there. I mean, he does have a very strong staff um, behind him. All of them. I'm surprised that you put Boston over Miami, to be honest with you. I thought, I thought Brooklyn would have been the team that you slaughtered. I mean, Miami just beat I mean, Boston. They were, pretty, they were pretty close in the regular season last year. So I, but they lost I could Hayward. See, who yeah, really I, could see, I could see Miami taking it, but they're not going to have like a, a big lead on on, on standings. I don't, I don't, think, see, why they, I don't see why Boston should be favored over Miami in any sense. I mean, unless you really believe that Tatum's going to take another leap to be a top eight I, guy, I, unless that's what I, you're banking on. Miami has more players to make more leaps than Boston does, I think. I mean, there's still room to go. There's still more room to grow with Jason Tatum. There's still room to grow with Jalen Brown. Um, for the way that Kimba was picked on defensively in the postseason. I think he was fine through the first two rounds. Miami just kind of killed him. Um, he was playing through some injuries there, and he's still a dynamic pick and roll guy. I'm not sure they're going to miss Hayward too much. I like their free agent signings. I think that's probably why I'm higher on Boston <coughs> than most. Like, Tristan Thompson is going to be huge for them. Um, he's a guy that can close out games in a way that Daniel Tice probably couldn't because Daniel Tice is a good pick and roll defender. Dave Dufour said Daniel Tice is a Hall of Famer. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Tice is a good, Love pick, you, Dave. He's a good pick and roll defender, but he's not a guy that can really navigate space. 
Tristan Thompson can do that. And Tristan Thompson is just flat out better offensively. I feel like slightly better passer, better screener, even though Daniel Tice is a good screener stealer himself. Um, I think he helps a lot. And adding Jeff Teague, uh, the fact that he's not going to be starting. At- don't even don't even defend Jeff Teague. <laughs> Jeff Teague is average. Boston didn't have a table setter on their bench. Like Brad Wanamaker was fine, but he's not a point guard. He's more of a combo guy, not a good passer. He's a play finisher, not a play creator. Jeff T can competently run a pick and roll for you. And like he can run a pick and roll and he can hit spot up shots and he can get to the rim still. Just having adequacy at the point guard spot and not having Marcus Smart have to do everything, which he does not mind doing. And that can got to get Boston into trouble sometimes. Just having a calming presence like Jeff Teague, I think that helps. Like the criticism with Jeff Teague is that, I mean, he's average. And if he's your starting point guard, then there's not really room for upside. Like he's not going to kill you. He's not going to help you too much. If Jeff Teague is your sixth or your seventh man, that's a good NBA player. And Boston needed someone. He's another guy to pick on and pick and roll when it matters. That's why I, not only do I see a guy that commits a lot of turnovers and that isn't the best decision maker. I see him as a guy that's going to get picked on in the same ways that Kemba did. I think if anything, you know, a kind of more defensive oriented point guard off the bench. But I understand what you're saying about kind of somebody to help their, their offense off the bench. I don't think he's going to close too many games for you. I mean, he's a guy that's going to help you get to that point. Like I still think their final line is probably going to be Kimba smart, Tatum Brown, uh, yeah, Tatum Brown. And then one of the bigs, if it's Tyson, he has it rolling Tristan Thompson and they can still switch quite a bit. Um, Boston still did a pretty solid job overall in hiding Kimba. Like he, again, like through the first two rounds of the playoffs, I think he was fine. And just in general, Boston. I disagree with that. I, I thought that Toronto did an excellent job of hunting him. I thought Fred and Kyle in particular, even though Fred did, just didn't have mm-hmm. a good series, you know, just missing a lot of jumpers. I thought that, especially late in games, Lowry did a great job of, of looking for who was who, who Kemba was guarding and having them screen. And, and I thought that they adequately attacked him. And I thought that the reason why that's, I mean, that was an awful matchup mm-hmm. for Toronto in a lot of ways. And I thought the only reason that that got to seven games was because, you know, a, it's Toronto's grittiness and we know that, you know, championship pedigree and all that, but the idea of, you know, they had an easy matchup to pick on every time down the floor late and they did so with ferocity. I love how we're doing an NBA season preview when all it really matters is that's <laughs> heat and five. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.